Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature emerging painter Grace Lynn Haynes. Her colorful paintings are accented with black swaths that depict the face of elegantly lounging female figures that uplift as does a beautiful spring bouquet. The significance of her narrative, combined with her symbolic paintings, recently caught the eye of Forbes magazine, The New Yorker, and Vogue, not only because of the striking beautiful colors, but because of what the images represent. Grace is passionate about portraying black women in a manner that challenges stereotypes. She will share with us her experience as one of the first artists to attend Black Rock Senegal, a multidisciplinary artist in residence program located in Dakar, Senegal, which was founded by artist Kahindi Wiley. She will also update us on her upcoming solo and group show exhibitions later this year and going forward. She has a promising career as a painter, and I look forward to seeing her. Enjoy this episode of the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast featuring Grace Lynn Haynes. Grace, it's so nice to have you join me today on my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. We have a lot to talk about. I can't wait to hear about some of your recent journeys. But let's start with when did you realize that you are an artist? Yes, so I always loved painting and drawing as a kid. I would oftentimes um, just get random sheets of paper, staple it together and do tons of drawings and I would write a little story to match the drawing. But unfortunately, I didn't really grow up in a creative household and my parents didn't really see the the value in art or future career in art. So I was kind of discouraged and turned my direction into, into other interests such as writing and literature, which I still loved, but I knew my my heart was in the art world. And it wasn't until I was in college in my freshman year and I started to really move away from home and start to redefine my identity. And that's when I came across art again and I took a painting class. And I remember just painting with the oil paints and exploring the colors. And it was almost as if my senses came back to life. It was a very almost spiritual experience for me in terms of it's like the colors got more vivid, it's like my sense of smell was more in tune. My senses were very much activated. And it's like I I felt Christmas again, like that childlike feeling. It's, it's almost as if a part of me was missing. And then once I started painting again, it almost put me in tune more with life around me. Wow. Ever since then, I knew I was like, okay, I am an artist and there's nothing in this world that can stop me because I felt so much more alive and in tune with life. I consider myself to be kind of a c- cerebral person. And so art gets me 
in my senses. It gets me into seeing textures and colors and life and in tune with my identity as well as a black woman. And so I knew since then that there's nothing in this world that could stop me from pursuing my dreams. So I didn't care what anyone around me had to say. I worked at it. And that was around when I was like 18, 19. And I've been nonstop since. That's wonderful. So, so when you're painting, when you're creating, do you get emotional? Yes, I would say it depends. When I was more of a hobbyist artist, it was very easy to make art from an emotional place versus when you're a career artist and you do this for a living, you realize that sometimes you have to get the paintings done. And if you're emotional every day when you're in the studio, it can be a very long process. So I would say there are times where my emotions are triggered when I make a painting or a childhood memory is triggered or a dream. Um, but it just kind of depends on what I'm painting and if I'm not under a tight deadline, because oftentimes when you're under tight deadlines, it's hard to, um, to be, to be, to, to take your time as much and really enjoy the process. Um, so I think it just depends on what project I'm working on. Years ago, was there a particular artist or a work of art that influenced you? Yes, I was always influenced by women artists. Um, I loved Elizabeth Catlett and how she painted the black female figure as very elegant and poised. And she was a sculpture artist. And I was really inspired by her, her story where she she worked in Mexico. And growing up in South Central Los Angeles, I was very inspired by Mexican culture and the, the colors and the the vibrant lifestyle. And that is often influenced in my work as well with using bright colors and how colors can represent life and have an identity and their own personality and how the spirit of a piece of art or a painting can be in the colors. And so I really relate to, to her, her story. And I'm also inspired by Carrie James Marshall. I would say he was the, the first artist that I really learned about in art school and one of the few Black artists they talked about in art school, unfortunately. Um, they should talk about more. Um, but Carrie James Marshall, I studied him a lot in school and I was really inspired by his thesis when he said, the darker you are, the more marginalized you are. And I began to think how that related to me, not just as a Black person, but as a Black woman. And oftentimes it's the darker you are, the less feminine you are perceived and the less worthy of protection you have. And so I really wanted to center my work, not just on the Black experience, but on the Black woman experience and what it means to be a black woman right now in the 21st century. And so I will say Carrie James, um, the way he uses the black figure, how he's a figurative artist, um, really inspired me to go in a figurative direction and also to to be bold in the way I present the black figure. Right. Yeah, the, the, the black swath is bold. So share with us, what was that mindset or that journey like to go from you know using these beautiful bright colors to then combining it with the black face? Yes, I would say it's interesting how that came about because in undergraduate school, I actually studied illustration and we would do a lot of figure drawing classes and figure painting classes. And so we would draw from the model, but none of the models were of color. They were always white. And so I realized I knew how to paint um, lighter skin tones really well, but when it came to my own skin tones and even darker skin tones, I didn't know where to even start. <laughs> and so 
I just painted the figure completely black as a way to say, hey, I don't know how to paint darker skin tones. These schools don't really have diverse models for us to learn how to paint darker skin tones. And so I just painted the figure black as a way because I didn't know how to, to paint, you know, the, the details and the richness of darker skin tones. And eventually that led to my signature artist statement. And I'm also very intrigued by this concept of dark and light being against each other, especially in Western society. The dark is like this evil, sinister thing. And the light is like this pure, um, angelic, heavenly thing. And I wanted to create work where dark and light exist cohesively together in one image. And also the dark isn't the bad in the image and the light isn't the good there existing together as one. And so I wanted to show that in my work. And I remember making my first piece. It was a dark figure specifically in lighter pink toned backgrounds. And once I did that painting, I knew that I was onto something and I kept going and going. And eventually that led me here in my career. Your, your career is amazing. So, um, you know, earlier you mentioned that you have memories, childhood memories. How are those memories reflected in your work? Mm -hmm. um, I would say recently I've done um, this type of therapy called EDMR therapy, and it really got me into memory recollection where basically you process past memories. It's a type of therapy where the therapist helps you process past memories and helps you understand how that affects the way and who you are and how you operate in the present. And so oftentimes there are memories that I have that feel very spiritual or otherworldly. And a lot of the times I feel like specifically with the black body, we have this in mainstream society, we're often portrayed as this as these linear beings. And I want to show that we are also spiritual, otherworldly beings, and we belong in fantastical environments and to celebrate the, the radical black imagination in itself. And I feel like that that's the era that we're in right now, as you can see with Black Panther, it's this celebration of of black fantasy and I've really always been inspired by fantasy but there's always been a lack of the black body in the fantasy world and so a lot of the times um, my memories and my dreams have black bodies in them and I want to show that in my work I want to show that the black body is otherworldly it's sublime it's elegant it's to be elevated well you do a beautiful job especially the recent uh, New Yorker cover so share with us what that experience was like to be invited to create a cover for them. Yes, that was an incredible experience. The, the team at The New Yorker, they're amazing to work with. And um, it's interesting how that happened because it's quarantine. It was during a time where we're still in quarantine and there was the George Floyd and the Breonna Taylor protests going about. And so there was all this tension going on in the atmosphere and even on social media. I think a lot of people were quarantined and so they had a lot more time to be on social media and crazy enough, my work just started circulating like crazy. People were really adamant about, reposting and sharing black art and so my work was being posted constantly and I gained at least like 10,000 followers in just two weeks alone That's and I think because my work was circulating um, it eventually came across the 
first Vogue, Vogue saw my work um, because of that circulation. And then once I did that, did a, um, a project with Vogue, then eventually that led to the New Yorker to see my work. And they reached out to me through email and said that they saw my work on Instagram and they wanted me to do a cover for their 100th uh, anniversary for women's rights. So right, to me, right. it just shows the power of social media, of putting your work out there. I wasn't always like, you know, I didn't have a huge Instagram following until a few months ago. Um, so it's just being consistent and um, not being afraid to put yourself out there, put your work out there. So the fact that you have the cover for the 100th anniversary, how did you feel about that? Yes, it was, it was a, uh, um, an interesting project because it's the 100th anniversary for women's rights. So women were able to vote in 1920, but specifically black women were able to vote until 1965 when the voting act, when the equal voting acts, right. Acts, right. When the, excuse me, sorry, the <laughs> voting okay. act, right. was passed. <laughs> 1965. <laughs> and so black women weren't able to vote. Um, and so I'm supposed to make this cover for the 100th anniversary, but knowing that black women were able to vote until 1965, I know that this anniversary didn't apply to all women. And so I wanted to acknowledge that in the cover. And so I started doing my research on black women feminists throughout history. And I came across Sojourner Truth, who coined the phrase, ain't I a woman, which addressed the attack on black, black womanhood and black women who are not seen as fully, not, not only fully human, but they're not seen as fully women as well. And so I really wanted to talk about that because she was one of the first black feminists and she helped create this movement that talked about black womanhood and the attacks that were taking place, especially during that time because she was born into slavery and she was a pivotal, pivotal woman that helped pass the Voting Rights Act in 1965, even though she didn't live to, to see that day. She was one of the first to really initiate that conversation on Black women and the importance of us being able to vote. And so I wanted to honor her. I mean, keep in mind, I'm not a portrait artist by any means, but I knew that I wanted to do a historical portrait to really honor a specific woman um, versus a lot of times in my art, I, I don't paint like a specific person. So I wanted to challenge myself by attempting to to capture the essence of Sojourner Truth in my, in my own style. And it was a, a fun project. Um, I'm really big on showing the essence and the spirit of my figures, whether it's through their clothing attire or through the colors that I use. And so I really made sure to capture the clothing that Sojourner Truth was wearing during that time and, and the photographs that they had documented of her. And also to use my sense of color to add a modern take on onto her legacy. And I really just wanted to, to honor her because she didn't live to see the day where Black women were able to vote. So I really wanted to to honor her in 2020, because even though she wasn't able to live to see the day, she, her legacy still lives on through this cover. Yeah, well, thank you very much. You did a fine job. <laughs> um, so I definitely want to talk about the residency program. So you attended Kahindi Wiley's uh, inaugural residency program in um, Senegal. You're the first artist that I've interviewed that actually participated. So share with us what that experience was like. Yes, that was an amazing once in a lifetime experience. It's crazy because um, the group that I was in, there was three of us 
And we were literally the first month, the first artist to ever step foot onto this residency. So it was a very um, rich experience because we were the first ones there. So we didn't have any um, expectations or any idea of, of what was going to happen because there was no one before us to kind of give us a hint as to, to what was going to go on. And so it was an amazing experience. I mean, Kahende deeply cares about the residency and the artists that are there. And we got a very hands-on um, experience because the staff at Black Rock, they're all Senegalese. And so they know the car, they know the town, they know the culture. So they can give us a very personal experience and show us places that maybe we weren't able to see if we were just tourists there. And it's also very rich in terms of we're very immersed in the culture. The chef that's there would cook us uh, the cuisine, um, specifically from Senegalese culture. And also we had classes that would teach us Wolof, which is the native language in Senegal, and also French. So we got to be able to, to communicate with the community in the native language as well. And it was a very, very um, emotional experience as well, because it was my first time on the continent. And as a descendant of slavery, they have the... Um, Gory Island, which has the slave castles where the slaves were eventually transported off to the Americas. And so visiting the, the castles, the slave castle was a very emotional experience for me and really helped solidify my identity in a way in terms of where I come from and how I got to America itself. And so overall, I just had a very emotional experience, but also a very enlightening experience. Senegal is a beautiful place, um, amazing beaches, amazing uh, surf culture and beach culture in itself. And just seeing so many black bodies at the beach, surfing, be feeling free was very inspiring for me. And we also got to meet Kehende. We had dinner with him a few times and it was just really nice to learn from him and hear about his journey to his success and see such a amazing artist give back to, to other artists as well. Uh, it was very inspiring to me because it, it shows that just because you made it doesn't mean that you can sit there and rest. You can also give back and help the next generation of upcoming artists. And that's what Kehinde is doing. And he's also creating these diasporic conversations where he's bringing Black people from all over the world to the continent to experience this culture and have it inspire our work. And so it's just an amazing experience. And I plan on going back for the Biennale, hopefully soon because of COVID oh, craziness, but um, we're doing the Biennale in about a year. So I'm excited to go back. Yeah, Eka Hindi's a special person. I love his energy. He's always smiling. He's just always so upbeat and happy. Um, so I have a question regarding the group of artists that were there together. And because of the um, slave trade and having the, an experience, the opportunity to experience and touch an aspect of that. Did you get the impression that that brought brought you all closer together? Yes, definitely. I after we visited Gory Island and the slave castles, we actually went to um, a beach club and we danced together like there was no tomorrow because we were so heavy with emotion. Right. And so when we had a chance to dance it off, we were just dancing like it was literally <laughs> the last day on earth. I don't think I've ever felt so free in my life. Um, it was a really amazing experience, especially like we still keep in contact. We still talk about our experience or even new discoveries we find or even other countries on the continent that we'd like to go to and you know, exploring, exploring a different side to ourselves or our roots or who we were 
before we came to America. And so it's been definitely um, lifelong friendships between the, the two other artists. And it's nice that there are only three artists at a time because it gives you a chance to really get to know the other artists. And we're all so different in our discipline. Like one's a painter and I'm a collage painter. And the other, um, Itasha, she was a, a writer, Afrofuturist writer. So we're all so different in our discipline. So there's so much that we can learn from each other. Yeah, it's a perfect setting. <laughs> Let's talk about 2020. You've had a great year. It's so unusual to have a great year or be able to brag about what you were able to accomplish in 2020 because for so many people it's been a very difficult time. But when I looked at your CV, I thought to myself, man, she's just off the charts this year. So share with us, you have a number of shows coming up. You've been featured. Was was the Forbes article this year, the 30 under 30? Yeah, I think it was like December of last year. So around, you know, same. Tell us what you have going on and what's happened this year. Yes. Yeah, so after the Candy Wiley residency, my career kind of just rocketed off and it started off with the Forbes 30 and the 30, which happened around last year in December. And then this year, it's interesting because this was a year of rest for me for the past three to four years. I've been nonstop making art every day, pushing out work, pushing myself, trying to get myself out there, applying for every residency and opportunity possible. And so I really wanted to take this time to rest. And coincidentally, this year of rest has been the year <laughs> where everything have, has been starting to to flourish and so basically I'll be doing so I had the opportunity with Vogue where I did a um, a fashion a painting inspired by um, Valentino's inclusive runway show which was really fun to do and that happened about a few months into the quarantine and ever since that and that's when the New Yorker opportunity came about and now um, I have people contacting me from all around the world wanting to work with me and do different collaborations. Like I'll be having another New Yorker com cover coming out for their art and fashion issue in September. So I'm super excited about that. And then I'll also be doing a group show with Timothy Taylor Gallery in New York City. And I'll also be doing another group show with Long Gallery Harlem at the beginning of October, and then I'll be doing the 154 Contemporary African Art Fair as well. And then next year, I'll be doing a solo show with Loose Gallery. And so things have been really starting to take off. And um, I'm very selective about the things that I can do because, you know, there's, there's so much coming my way. But I'll also be starting graduate school at Rutgers um, next September as well. So Things have definitely started to to amp up a bit and I feel like I'm ready and ready to continue to to keep pushing my artwork as far as I can take it. So your your practice is young, so this question may or may not apply, but do you think the critics understand your work? Do they understand the message that you're trying to convey? Um I would say because I'm an emerging artist, I feel for the most part, the critics have been kind, quite fair, <laughs> kind <laughs> for my part. I think the most critical um, opinions I've gotten was from the Sojourner Truth 
cover with the New Yorker, at least looking on the, they did a YouTube video of my process and just looking at the comments. These aren't from like professional critics, just, you know, random people on the internet, but you know, certain people have certain things to say about the way I paint the skin or, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, but that's about as harsh of a critic I, I have gotten so far. For the most part, it's been pretty well, but I also know because I'm emerging. <laughs> we'll ignore them. <laughs> So in your mind, what is the definition of an artist? My favorite quote is by Nina Simone, and she says, the duty of an artist is to reflect the times. And I think the role of an artist is to reflect the times that we're in. It's where people should be able to look at your art and say, oh, that was this time in history, or that was that time in history. And so for me, um, it's really about reflecting what's going on in the world right now. And my other favorite quote is by James Baldwin, where he said, the job of an artist is similar to the job of a lover. They're supposed to show you the things that you cannot see on your own. And so for me, it's really just about show, make, creating images, specifically a Black woman that people don't often see in mainstream media. And so my, part of my inspiration or my drive as an artist is there's so many nuances of black womanhood that aren't being talked about or shown in in mainstream media and so it's I feel like it's my job to show those nuances to show those complexities and for me as a woman to take ownership over my images and my my voice as a black black woman artist and so I think it stems from from frustration of not seeing certain images in media and so for me personally, I feel like it's my job to show show images that people wouldn't see if, if I didn't make them. It's to, to put something distinct out there in the world. So you said that at age 18, you recognize that art makes you a happy person. At that point, in the early stages of your career, did you have those same feelings about representing the Black female? I would say in the early stages of my career was more so about maybe activating my senses or just the joy of creating. And as I gotten older, it was more about solidifying my identity and expressing that through my artwork, but also combining that with the joy of creating. Because when I first discovered art, I was just happy to make art. I was just happy to feel alive again. And as I started making more of it, I was like, starting to think, how can I make this purposeful? How can I make an impact on the world through my joy of creating? And so that's what led me here, where I don't want to ever lose that joy of creation, that that thing, that that feeling, that, that spark that helps me feel alive. But I also want to have purpose behind that feeling, behind that sense of joy. So it's about combining both. Yeah, your work is uplifting, that's for sure. The colors are just beautiful. Last question. How would you like your work to impact people? Yes, I would say, I would say I want people, I want it to impact people. Sorry, I'm thinking. It's okay. <laughs> Take your time. <laughs> I would say that I want people it to impact people to show the complexities of black womanhood. I wanted to show what 
impact people by showing them a new perspective on Black women, what Black women look like when we're not carrying the world on our shoulders, what we look like when we're in our safe spaces, what we look like when we're comfortable. I want it to impact people by showing them a different side to Black womanhood and the humanness of us as well. Um, and I also want people to have a sense of joy when they look at my paintings, a sense of otherworldliness, as if it takes them away from their reality for a moment and takes them to a new space. And that new space happens to have a Black body in it. And so I really believe that that the impact that that I want the audience to have is to show them things that they haven't seen before and to have them leave the gallery with images that they never, never came across before. Well, your work is beautiful. To live with it, I would think, is a great experience to see that every day, especially when the weather's bad. <laughs> um, but uh, thank you so much for your time. It's just been a delight talking to you. And it's, it's exciting uh, to know and to listen to a young artist talk about how their career is evolving and, and the wonderful experiences you have. So thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you so much. It was, I had fun. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram. 